President Biden began his term nearly a year ago facing massive environmental and public health challenges. One year in, how has his administration fared when it comes to solving these environmental issues, especially ones that don't get much media coverage? I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense, where we bring you eco-innovations that solve environmental issues. This week, we look at what's been done, what needs to be done, and what's lagging behind when it comes to the current administration's handling of climate change, pollution, energy policy, and more. We're joined again by Lisa Frank with Environment America Research and Policy Center. Lisa, welcome back to Green Sense. Thank you, very glad to be here. So welcome back. We last spoke in the fall about the infrastructure bill. Your organization's report summarized it like this. The Biden administration has made significant strides towards uh, restoring lost environmental protections and confronting daunting threats to our climate and public health. So overall, a good report card? I'd say so. Uh, so when we, um, when President Biden was first taking office, we were facing a lot of worsening environmental problems from lead pollution and uh, other toxic water pollution in the waters that we drink to air pollution on the rise after many years of decline. Obviously, the climate crisis is getting worse each day. So he was really facing a huge challenge. And we took a look at what would be uh, five things he could do on day one and then another 15 things we hoped he'd do soon thereafter to begin getting us back on track for cleaner air, cleaner water, safer climate, uh, and protecting public lands in this country. And so let's, let's take a look at a few of those issues, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, the first is uh, rejoining the Paris Agreement. How significant is it, and what kind of changes uh, will that bring about in the future? Mm -hmm. Great question. So rejoining the Paris Climate Accords was one of the first actions that President Biden took. And we're seeing climate change is already affecting us. About 64% of Americans experienced multi-day heat waves last year. I'm from Portland, Oregon originally. And when I was growing up, we called uh, the start of summer January because it was cold and rainy. This year it hit 116 degrees. So it's just unprecedented. Uh, I visited family and, you know, all the plants, the leaves were crisping up. They could not handle the heat. Um, hundreds of people died across the Northwest. So huge problem. And, you know, if we want to preserve a livable climate, we need to limit global warming to below 1.5 or at most two degrees Celsius. And the Paris Agreement uh, helps us do that. So it's a commitment by all the major countries. The U.S. helped broker it before then, unfortunately, pulling out of the agreement and so the fact that we've joined sends a, you know, a signal to the rest of the world that the U.S. is back. And it means that states and cities and businesses who have been leading the way on climate progress these last few years now once again have a strong ally in the federal government. Uh, Greta Thunberg says blah, 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 that these uh, are all talking events. How much action actually occurs from them? And really, how, how good is it? Right. I, you know, I don't think it's really about the conferences themselves. It's great that they get together. There were, there were some good announcements on reducing methane this year that we were excited about. That's a really potent greenhouse gas. But it's really about um, setting, setting the course that this administration is going to take to tackle the problem in their day-to-day -day work once they get home. And some of the highlights there have been um, going big on offshore wind. We have enough wind off the coast of the Atlantic here to generate four times as much electricity as that region of the country uses. So we need to tap that and they've been working to do that. They've secured some key climate provisions in the infrastructure bill that passed last year and um, are working to make cars a lot cleaner and less polluting as well. So those are the those are where we, we really see the, the impact. 
and and good point. Yeah, those are just a, a, a way to meet, but it's all the action happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to another issue, repealing the dirty water rule, which your report says is nearly done, but most people don't know what the rule is. Uh, maybe you can give us a quick thumbnail summary sure. and, uh, and tell us where we're at right now uh, as mm-hmm. it relates to it. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, clean water is one of the most basic fundamental human needs for life. And, and decades ago, our waterways in this country were a lot more polluted than they were now. Um, you know, as some folks may remember the Cuyahoga River catching on fire multiple times. Uh, and a lot of our wetlands and waterways had just been lost altogether. They'd been paved over or filled in for development. 50 years ago, um, the Clean Water Act became law, which uh, for the first time limited dumping and pollution in our waterways and protected the remaining wetlands and streams with the goal of making them all fishable and swimmable uh, for all Americans. Uh, That was great. We made a lot of progress. And then in 2020, uh, the Trump administration finalized what we call the Dirty Water Rule, which removed those Clean Water Act protections from more than half of our nation's wetlands and thousands of streams. These are streams that provide drinking water to millions of Americans and the wetlands help filter pollutants. They provide habitat for wildlife. They protect from flooding. We should be protecting them. Uh, so we urged President Biden to set in motion a repeal of that dirty water rule on day one. Um, he did launch a review. And then over the summer, a federal district court vacated the dirty water rule. Uh, so where we're at right now, the bad rule is gone, but we don't have a new rule in place yet to fully restore those protections. So that's what has to happen next. Uh, and there's actually a comment period open now. So if you'd like to see your local uh, rivers and creeks and wetlands protected uh, for generations to come, uh, you can send comments into the EPA uh, through February 7th. And how long, uh, what's your best estimate on when the new rule will be passed? Uh, That's a great question. So after this comment period ends, we'll be urging them to move very quickly uh, to restore the rules, but uh, you'll have to ask the EPA (laughs) on that one. We'll stay tuned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also nearly done, the Biden administration recently finalized new fuel economy standards and taken steps towards reinstating the Clean Air Act uh, waiver, allowing Mm -hmm. for stronger state standards. Uh, What kind of changes will those standards bring about? More fuel efficient cars, trucks, or other changes? Uh, that's exactly right. So um, more, more efficient cars and trucks for all of us to drive. Uh, and the reason to do that is, you know, of course, we all save some money at the pump. That's great, <laughs> especially important right now. Um, but this is also one of the most powerful actions the government can take to improve air quality. So each year, pollution from cars and trucks and other vehicles uh, results in about 58,000 people losing their lives, as well as increased risk of lung cancer, stroke, heart disease, of course, major climate impacts as well. So the, the Biden administration has finalized a rule that would see um, the average fuel economy rise to 40 miles per gallon by 2026. That's great. But more than a dozen states have their own stronger standards, and the Trump administration revoked that authority. So once Once the authority is reinstated, um, people living in those more than a dozen states can go back to having cleaner cleaner cars and cleaner air, and we're continuing to get more and more states signed up for those stronger protections as well. Long term, it looks like a few uh, gas burning cars are on the way out. Electric cars are on the way in. Um, Are we trading uh, tailpipe emissions for smokestacks at the power plants? And is there anything being done to regulate the uh, uh, power plants more? Right. Great question. Uh, So the the short answer is no. Um, Electric cars are just so much more efficient than a gas powered car. A gas powered car, most of the fuel 
you know, winds up escaping the car's heat, right? That's why if you put your hand on the hood of a car, it's hot and you don't want to touch that engine, <laughs> right? With an electric car, um, it's far more efficient. So you're actually capturing that energy. So running an electric car today in every single state in the country, even if it's a state that still relies heavily on coal, is cleaner than a fossil fuel powered car. And of course, as we, you know, as we continue uh, growing renewable energy, that just gets more and more and more to be the case. Well, another one that's in progress is restoring smart energy efficient policy. What are some of those policies and what needs to still happen? This was a bit of a head scratcher. Uh, so <laughs> we've had efficient light bulbs on the market for quite some time now. I'm sure many of you listening have, you know, have some, some LED lights and other efficient ones in your home. Makes sense to be moving in that direction. Uh, but there had been rules to, you know, to encourage those more efficient light bulbs that got tossed out. So those, uh, there's new light bulb efficiency standards that have been proposed. They still need to be finalized. We hope they will do that soon. Uh, the other wacky thing that happened on energy efficiency is um, dealing with water. So currently, if you have a shower head, there's standards for how much water that shower head can put out. Um, but the old rule said if you had a shower head where you had, you know, a fixture here and a fixture here and a fixture here and a fixture here, all in the same shower, that each of those could emit as much water. So you could be wasting four times as much water as the rules really intended. So we're trying to fix fix that one as well. <laughs> Interesting. Well, uh, Lisa's report also tells us in January 2018, the Trump administration proposed opening nearly all U.S. waters to offshore drilling, representing a drastic expansion of oil drilling and gas leasing in the Atlantic, Pacific, and Arctic Ocean, as well as off Florida's Gulf Coast. Withdrawing from this plan is something your report classifies as not yet done. Is that something you see happening down the road? Mm -hmm. We sure hope so. Uh, So, you know, I think all of us learned again <laughs> from the terrible spill this fall off the coast of California that when we drill, we spill. Uh, and those spills have des- devastating consequences for our beaches, for our wildlife, for protected areas off our coasts. So we need to be moving away from offshore drilling. We've got enough renewable energy that we can do that. <laughs> um, but the Biden administration has not yet withdrawn this Trump administration plan that would expand drilling. Um, they uh, they did initially put a, put a pause on new leasing, but the Biden administration will need to write their own plan for offshore drilling and leasing, and we'll be urging them to write a plan that that doesn't expand any drilling. Uh, we already have a lot of leases out there, and and the risks are just too great. So, what's standing in the way? What's keeping them from uh, getting this uh, written? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I don't think there's anything that should stop them from withdrawing the old plan now. <laughs> um, best I know is they'll probably start the process to write the new one uh, in this coming year. Well, but they should they should withdraw it now. <laughs> you know, the world's pretty crazy right now. There's lots of priorities and uh, environmental issues other than climate change seems have uh, sort of sh- uh, sank. In, in the level of priorities, uh, how, do, how do you keep these things relevant and uh, past? Because it's the small things that make a big difference. If our water's dirty, it impacts quality of life. You know, if the air is dirty, it impacts the quality of life. But people are very distracted these days. How do you get their attention on these issues? Right. Well, I think, you know, certainly thank you for taking the time to talk about them. I, you know, I think 
climate gets a lot of the attention, but just the basics of, you know, is there lead in the drinking water at your kid's school? These really impact people's day-to-day lives. And so we're, we're certainly out there talking to people, talking to organizations, um, talking to folks like yourself in, in the news and other people who can help get the word out so that people are actually weighing in with the, with the administration and making sure that they don't lose sight of some of these really core basic environmental safeguards that we all need. Um, if we talked to you a year ago and you did a report on the Trump administration's environmental record, how would that have stacked up against Biden so far? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I, w- I was just doing some some research thinking back to the first year of the Trump administration and some, some of the things that happened that first year. Uh, they let coal companies off the hook for water pollution. They began undoing some of the clean water and clean car standards that we've been working to reinstate. Um, kind of most devastating, they slashed protections for the Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monuments and proposed that major expansion of of drilling off our coast. So it was really a different time. And I think, um, you know, there's kind of two different ways of looking at the environment in America. One is this idea that, you know, protecting the environment and growing the economy and having a good quality of life are in conflict and that we need to be maximizing our use of resources and you know, chopping down trees as fast as we can to, uh, you know, to grow. And then there's this other idea that, you know, I think has increasingly taken hold in the last half century or so in the U.S. that uh, that a healthy environment is really a necessary precursor to a healthy and thriving society and it, what part of what makes life great here in this country. And so certainly hope to see that idea taking hold more and influencing policies more in the coming years. Do you see that uh, concept or vision transcending uh, party lines? I think it often does, right? It's the things that are polarized that often get the most attention, especially at the federal level. Um, but there's certainly, uh, you know, many issues where people of all all different beliefs come together. We, you know, we work a lot on plastic pollution, and you know, there's no such thing as a Republican plastic bag or a Democratic plastic bag. If it's stuck in the tree outside your house, no one likes it. Right. Everyone thinks we can we can do better than that. Um, we also just saw, you know, even at the federal level uh, just last week, um, there was a bill called the Recovering America's Wildlife Act that passed out of a committee. And that that bill would help states enact their own wildlife action plans to help threaten species in the state. And it's got uh, more than 150 co-sponsors um, in the House, in the Senate. It's got an equal number of Democrats and Republicans on board. So there's a lot of issues where we can we can still be working together here. So we're in a time where uh, parties flip-flop, seems, uh, every every four or eight years, you get Republicans, Democrats, and businesses love consistency and predictability, but every time we get a new administration in, uh, they have a a slew of executive orders that uh, many uh, times reverse a lot of these environmental policies. You know, how does business get some consistency out there and get some... uh, uh, ongoing rules that they know they're going to be there for some time? Right. It's a great question. It's such a challenge because really public opinion is pretty stable on these issues over time. Public opinion on, you know, the importance of clean water protecting public lands is is no different now than it was four or eight years ago. Uh, And so the, the recommendations that we were making to President Biden and his administration were to focus on those those issues where there is broad agreement and kind of consensus among the American public. Uh, because I think that's where you'll see um, the kind of most lasting protections over time. 
So uh, in closing, uh, how would you rate the Biden administration so far uh, against other presidential administrations of the past when it comes to environmental policies and actions? Well, I'm no historical scholar, but I can say certainly the environment has been top of mind for President Biden and his cabinet from day one. And I think that shows in the results that they've that they've gotten done, um, you know, from restoring clean car standards to taking action on clean water, major push to get the lead out. Great progress there that we're excited to see. Obviously, a lot left undone, though. And I think the, you know, the biggest challenge facing the Biden administration is simply that our <laughs> there's a lot that needs doing on the environment. Right. If we had been tackling climate change under President Nixon or Reagan, we could have done, you know, a tenth of what we need to do now and put ourselves on a better track. So they're 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 facing a monumental challenge. I think there's been good progress. We'll certainly be working to make sure there's even more next year. And, you know, it's bandwidth. There's a lot of issues that are really top priority that are facing the president. And uh, there's a lot of environmental issues that need to get done. So we'll have to have you back in a couple of months and uh, give us a progress report. We'll be keeping track. <laughs> well, I always enjoy talking to you, Lisa. Thank you very much for joining us on Green Sense, and I uh, hope you have a wonderful year. Likewise. Thanks so much. That's Lisa Frank with Environment America Research and Policy Center. I'm Robert Colangelo. This is Green Sense. Subscribe to our podcast at greensensefarms.com. And listen to the Green Sense Minute on Thursdays and Saturdays on News Radio 105.9 WBBM Chicago. 